This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. But essentially what this series has been, it's been a journey of progressive revelation. It's, it's this journey of us sort of trekking through the way that God has revealed himself to humanity over time and over space and over different like people groups. And so it's been a very interesting thing that this whole idea is that God didn't arrive on the scene and say, boom, here I am, here's everything, take it or leave it. Because humanity would have like, you know, minds would have been exploding and everything else. It would have been too much for us to handle. And so God, what God does is he comes in and he meets people where they are at different points in history and he reveals himself more and more and more as time goes on. And so in week one, we launched this series talking about Adam and how Adam was like, you know, the first creation and, and how Adam points to Jesus. Because when Jesus comes, they call Jesus the second Adam, right? And it's sort of this regeneration, this idea of, of a rebirth of humanity, a rebirth spiritually through Jesus. And so we talked about how Adam pointed to Jesus. And then in week two, we looked at Moses and the law. And we talked about how, you know, there's this, usually this disparagement between the law and grace and the, the law of Moses and, and the, the, the message of Jesus. But we said, you know, there's a connection here. And the connection between Moses' law and the grace of Jesus is that both of them have the big picture theme that you can't do this without God, right? The, the law of Moses is 613 different rules and regulations and guidelines for us to follow, and it's absolutely impossible for humanity to do that. And then Jesus shows up, and he's singing the tune of grace and love and forgiveness and relationship and all these different things, but he's also singing the same tune that, hey, it's impossible apart from God. Righteousness and salvation and all these things are impossible apart from God. And so we talked about how the law and Moses sort of pointed us to Jesus. And then last week, uh, Bob shared about David and how the people of Israel, you know, they were ruled by kings or by uh, judges and prophets and all this stuff. And then they wanted the empire. They wanted government. They wanted kingship, just like the other people groups around them. And so they sought God for a king, and he gave him Saul. Then Saul was a catastrophe, so he gave him David. And, and we talked about how David's rule and reign pointed to Jesus, that ultimately Jesus comes from the line of David. And we said how when Jesus shows up, he says, hey, listen, I know you guys have wanted empire. I know you've wanted government. I know you think that when I show up, I'm going to come in and rule and reign like a king. But he's saying, he says, listen, this message is a little bit different. He said, it's not all about winning. It's all about loving. And so we talked about that last week and through the process. And so if you want to fill in any of the gaps of any of those talks, make sure you check it out on the podcast. But today, we're going to kind of continue through the Old Testament, and we're going to look at the major and minor prophets. And sort of how that plays into the grand scheme of the story that God is telling. And how the entire Old Testament points to Jesus. And this sets us up perfectly for our next series that we're starting next week that I'm really, really pumped about. Um, it's called New Through 30. And we're going to challenge our entire church. That means you guys, and myself included. We're going to challenge all of us to read through the entire New Testament in 30 days. You can do it. Okay, I promise. I promise the amount of time you spend watching Netflix, you could probably read the whole Bible in 30 days, if we're being honest, okay? <laughs> so, 
We're going to try to read the Bible, the whole New Testament, in 30 days. We're calling it New Through 30. And we're actually going to go even a step further to hopefully up your engagement and make it easier for you. The staff is going through, and we are reading the daily readings and recording them and putting some, like, fresh beats behind them so you don't totally fall asleep. And we are actually doing the daily readings, and we're going to release them as podcasts every day. And so the goal is to keep it around 30 minutes of reading. And so if you commute to work 15 minutes there, 15 minutes back, you can keep up with our reading uh, challenge and all of that stuff. And so we'll make that available on the podcast as well. We've already completed almost the whole first week, and I'm not going to lie, it's pretty dope. Rich is on there, and he's kind of got that urban flair, and you get the beat behind him. You're like, is he rapping or is he reading the Bible? And I'm like, it's a little bit of both, and I love it. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. So that's coming up next. So this has been a really, really cool series looking at the way God reveals himself to humanity through the entire Old Testament and how it all points to Jesus, and then we'll move forward from there as well. But let's pray really quick, and then we'll jump right into this. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to come together like this, man, the freedom we have uh, to worship you and to come together as a community of people who are seeking your heart and seeking what you have for us. God, this morning, as, as we talk about your word, talk about scriptures, Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts and that you would open our minds, that you'd make us receptive to what you have for us today. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Awesome. So this morning is going to be a little bit different, and I feel like I say that almost every time I talk, but this morning is going to be a little bit different. Uh, a lot of times we take a passage of scripture and we say, here's the passage of scripture, and we're going to kind of dissect this a little bit, dig into it, and see how it applies to our life. This morning there is no specific passage of scripture. I'm talking about the major and minor prophets, which is like a big chunk of the Old Testament. And so this is almost going to serve as like a survey of how the, the, these books kind of work and what they're about and how they fit into the grand story that God is telling. Does that make sense? And so if you're visiting this morning or if this is your first time or if you're new around here, um, I don't want you to think that like, oh, this guy just got up and shared opinion. There's no scripture on the screen. This whole thing's about the Bible, okay? This whole discussion is about God's word, and we love God's word, and we believe in God's word, and we believe that it guides our lives day in and day out. And so I just want to throw that disclaimer out there for those of you who are ready to point the bony finger of judgment and the law at me. I rebuke you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So to start off this thing, to talk about major and minor prophets, I think we need to start first with what's a prophet, right? Because we see, especially here in Metro Detroit, we see a lot of prophet this and prophetess that, and uh, they're typically on billboards that are driving really expensive cars and saying, give us your money, right? Um, no? No? That didn't land? You guys don't know what I'm talking about? My wife's covering her head, so she knows what I'm talking about. She's like, oh God, is he doing that right now? Um, but a prophet, typically speaking, in a biblical context, right, in a biblical context, a prophet is essentially just a mouthpiece for God. A prophet is a mouthpiece for God, and it's used by God to communicate his message to the world. That's the idea of a biblical prophet. And so back in the Old Testament days, in that era, the kings had prophets, right? Saul had a prophet, David had a prophet, all these different rulers and reigner, people in, in reign had prophets. And essentially, these guys were like personal pastors, if you will. And so they were like the voice of God. So the king would be ready to make a decision, and he would consult the prophet, who was part of, I guess, it would be comparable to today, like part of the cabinet, or part of like the, 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 the essential leadership 
core, like the team or whatever. And so he would at times consult the prophet and be like, yo, this is what I'm thinking for the kingdom. This is what I'm thinking about the direction and what's happening in this battle. Should we go to war? Should we not? Whatever. And then the prophet would seek God. God would speak to the prophet. The prophet would go to the king and be like, yo, bad idea. Or yes, God is on this. God blesses this. Whatever. Also, the prophet served as sort of like an accountability for the king. Like the prophet could go to the king like nobody else could, right? And we see it time and time again in scripture where the prophet would come to the king and be like, yo, you're being dumb. Like, don't do that. That's the wrong move. God's going to judge you harshly if you do that. And like speak very directly and very like accountability driven to the kings. And so they had this unique relationship, but the prophets also were there to guide the people of God and to, to share information, basically the voice of God. And so in scripture, we have the major prophets and the minor prophets. Now by a show of hands, how many of you know the difference, like what makes one of the prophets major and what makes one of them minor? Does, does anyone know? Okay, like I see two, three hands. Okay, it was about the same thing first service, two or three people. I had no idea. I always just assumed that like the major prophets were like more popular than the minor prophets. They were kind of like the understudies of the major prophets, right? I mean, that, did anyone else have that sort of idea? No, or do you just strictly not care at all? about this, because <laughs> I'm getting very little hand participation. Guys, come on, let's go. Um, so here's the deal. The major and the minor prophets, the only difference is essentially the length of their writings. So if your writing was longer, you were considered a major prophet. If your writing was shorter, you were considered a minor prophet. Also, the content in which they talked about. In the major prophets, they're talking about a more broad content. That's a, some of them are applicable like globally the things they're talking about. The minor prophets are very narrowly focused, okay? So all these dudes have, you know, the same amount of authority, the same amount of importance in all of their writings. And so in the Bible, these major and minor prophets, the major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. These dudes are like the major prophets. They have a more broad content, and their writings are a lot longer. The minor prophets are Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Mike, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. You guys are like, oh yeah, that's the section that I always skip. That, that's why I don't know what you're talking about. But basically, these guys are, are a mouthpiece for God. And so the question then becomes, in this series, how this all plays together, where do the prophets fit into the story that God is telling? Where do the prophets sort of fit in this whole deal? We talked about Adam and how he fits, talked about Moses and how God was revealing himself through the law to the people, meeting them where they are. We figured out how he fit David and the kingship and the empire and all that, how he fit. So where do the, 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 the prophets fit into this story that God is telling, into this idea that God is revealing himself to us, showing us who he is? How do the prophets fit into that? And I think the best way to illustrate that is to tell two stories, um, both from my life and, and my setup and my situation. And so the first uh, example that I could use to kind of paint a picture of how the prophets fit into all of this is to describe um, my beautiful, wonderful, brilliant, talented, gorgeous, no longer sitting in this room wife. <sighs> I was really trying to beef that up. She's not in here, is she? Dang it. Blown opportunity. When my wife... It's probably good, because the rest of this is not so good. Um, when she's prepping me for a big purchase, right? How many of you guys have a significant other or a friend or something that, that preps you for a purchase? They, they start it days, maybe weeks, maybe months in advance. So uh, that, 
That's what happened with my dogs, okay? You should have seen the way my wife worked me over for our dogs. We have two giant horse dogs. I hate dogs. I hate my dog. I hate your dog. I hate all dogs, okay? You think your dog is cute and friendly? And it's not. It's gross. It's an animal. It stinks. I hate it, okay? No offense. I love you. Hate your dogs. Hate my dogs, too. Equal playing field. She worked me over for those things for like a whole entire year. And so whatever, that's another story for another time. It's like my wife comes to me to work me up for, I'm going to use a general example, like, I don't know, buying my kids clothes, right? I got four kids, and they, for some reason, consistently need more clothes. And so my wife would come to me, and I'm talking, she's already got a plan in place. She's ready to go. She's, she knows what she's going to do. She knows what we need, all this stuff. She'll come to me, and, and it'll be a nice Sunday morning. She'll walk in and be like, man, you know had a really hard time finding something for Jackson to wear today. I'm like, oh, really? Well, you know, he looks, he looks really good. She's like, yeah, it was a real struggle. You know, I had to do this, that, and the other, and I had to look everywhere, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, okay. And then we'll be out to lunch, and she'll be like, you know, look at, the, look at the boys' knees on their pants. They're, they're really getting worn out, you know. They're, they're really about to get holes in them. I'm like, oh, they're just praying a lot. She's like, no, 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 they're playing a lot. That's the problem. I think, you know, that, that's going to be a problem pretty soon here. And she'll come to me, and she'll say, you know, Titus, uh, my second son, um, you know, he gets a lot of hand-me-downs from Jude, and those, they're looking kind of worn out. I think maybe, you know, just, just think about it, you know? And she's not pushing or pulling for anything. She's just planting seeds, right? You know, Monroe, she's the only girl, and, you know, she really just needs just all kinds of different things than the boys need, and so whatever. And so she'll plant all these seeds for days, weeks, months, whatever, and then she'll come to me and say, hey, Sam. I'm like, yeah. She's like, I think we need to buy the kids some new clothes. And by this point, I'm like, you know, you're right. I've noticed that it's hard to find Jackson clothes on a Sunday at times, right? And, and the boy's knees look, I'm just regurgitating what she's been feeding me, right, for like the past week. I'm like, you're totally, and she's like, okay, good. I'm glad you feel that way. It's all on my Target card. It'll be $7,000. I'm like, what? Hope, what? And she comes, but, but here's the deal. It would be a completely different conversation, right? It would be a completely different interaction, completely different conversation if she came to me and was like, Hey, the kids need new clothes. I just spent seven grand, got it at Target. We're good. I'd be like, whoa, no, they don't. Titus has tons of clothes. Jude has tons of clothes. My kids are set. I, they, they get dressed every day. They obviously have enough clothes, right? I don't see naked kids running around, right? It would be a totally different, because I'm not prepped for what she's, she's offering here. I'm not ready to handle this, and I'll go into freakout mode, and it would be just a come-to-Jesus meeting, which I would inevitably lose, but you know what I'm saying? It would be a totally different situation if I hadn't had all this prep and lead time leading up to her saying, hey, we need to make this big purchase. Obviously, I'm exaggerating and using clothes as an example, but that's sort of the idea. Another example that I thought of this week, which this is where I'm at right now in my life, uh, my second son, he turns eight years old, uh, August 29th, and so he has decided um, that he, he decided about a month and a half ago that he wants a bearded dragon for his birthday. You guys are gasping like awe. Oh, I'm gasping like throw up. Are you kidding me? Like I hate dogs. You think I want a lizard in my house? Like a so a bearded dragon. <laughs> I don't like animals. Can you tell? Yeah. Okay. So I guess you buy a bearded dragon and they're about this big, right? They. Do you know? How, did you know that they don't stay that big? Typically, they can get to be like the, a lizard this big sleeping in the same building as me. Not okay with that, right? Not okay. But Je Titus has um, decided that that's what he wants for his birthday. And not only has he decided that, he decides to talk about that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 
all day, every day, until his birthday. And so my wife and I are like, okay. And Titus is a passionate little boy, and he's excited. And so uh, we're like, okay, well, let's figure this out. I tried the, I even tried the approach. I was like, oh, Ty, that's cool, but I'm allergic to those, actually. So he's like, Dad, that's not a thing. He looked it up. He's like, no, you can't be allergic to lizards. I'm like, but I, okay, it's worked with cats until now, so I guess I'm outed. But we decided, okay, well, let's, let's go check this thing out, right? So we've been taking Titus to the pet stores. We've been going to PetSmart and Petco and all these different things, and we're like, all right, we can go, and we look at the habitats, and we look at the trees and the rocks and the baths that they get to take and all this stuff. And um, if you ask the person, you can actually, like, hold a bearded dragon while you're there. And so he's got it in his hand, and he's petting it, and he's just, the joy of the Lord has filled this child through a bearded dragon. And he's doing this, and so we get these brochures, right? We get these brochures, and he takes them home, and he's reading about them, and he's learning about them, and he knows their temperament, and he knows the temperature and the humidity, and knows all these facts. We got him a lizard book on Amazon so he can read up on it. He's like, Dad, I think I might want a gecko, but geckos are a little fast, faster than bearded dragons. And, bearded dra and I'm just like, uh, 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 yeah, they're all lizards, and they're all gross, whatever. And so he's learning about it, researching it, so much so that I turned on Netflix this past week, and the search bar was still on. And he typed in bearded dragons. Like, he's watching lizard documentaries. This kid is so, so into it. I'm like, son, if you'd apply that to, like, I don't know, maybe the Bible, uh, your life would be <laughs> much better than lizards. So we've decided, okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this thing, right? We're going to enter the world of bearded dragons. But we're taking Titus to pet shops and getting him all the brochures and getting him all the information so that when he gets this thing, he's ready for it. He knows the temperament, so he won't lose a finger. I don't know if they can take a finger. I'm just imagining that. But he knows their temperament. He knows the temperature of the thing. He knows how the, what they eat, how to feed them. He knows everything about them, so he's prepared. So when we hand him this little disgusting thing, he's ready for it, and he can take care of it, and he can nourish it and do something with it. And so typically, as humanity, we need these sorts of things. We need to be prepped for a shift in trajectory. Something that's coming new. I mean, for example, when we have a child, when, there, when, when we grow our family through having a child, there's a nine-month period that is prepping us for that child, right? We prep by purchasing things for our home to take care of this child, diapers and have, you know, our relationships, our friends are warned that, hey, I'm going to cease to exist for a little while because I will not be sleeping, so that's happening. Like, our, our relationships adjust. Our marriage or our, our, our uh, significant other, that begins to adjust. All things adjust in this prep period of nine months while this baby grows. We grow and make room for It's the, Ooh. it's the same thing with, like, uh, marriage relationships, right? There's a prep time and a lead time in that. Before there's a big shift in trajectory and we decide that we're going to marry someone and commit ourselves to them forever, we, we have this, like, dating period where we're having adjustments. And then we have this engagement period that's a little bit more intense of prepping ourselves for these things so that when a marriage flourishes out of this relationship, we're ready for it. We're ready to take it. We're ready to handle it and do something with it. Here's the deal. This is what God is doing with the prophets in the story that he's telling of humanity. God is preparing his people for Jesus. He's prepping them for Jesus. So he doesn't just drop Jesus, like a Jesus bomb right in the middle and they're like, whoa, what is this? What is going on here? Not prepared. 
not ready, I don't even know what to do with this, right? He uses the prophets to tell of the coming of Jesus. He uses the prophets to plant the seeds. He uses the prophets to set the foundation and to lay the groundwork for Jesus to come. He uses the prophets to encourage humanity to shift their understanding of who God is. He uses the prophets as a major step in this progressive revelation of revealing himself to humanity. Um, and, and he uses the prophets, they're a way to communicate to his people that Jesus is coming. And so in, in, in Isaiah and Micah, these two different uh, books and writings, it, it tells of Christ's birth, that a Messiah is coming and that a Savior will be born and all of this stuff. In, in Isaiah, it talks about Christ's sacrifice and how that's going to go down. In Ezekiel, Daniel, and Zechariah, it talks about Christ's return and the second coming of Christ. God's holiness and wrath and grace and mercy are all major components of the major and minor prophets. It's almost as if God is telling them what he's going to do before he actually does it. He says, yo, a shift is coming. A change is coming. The trajectory is about to shift. Let me lay some groundwork. Let me get you ready for this so that when it happens, you're ready for it. You'll see it. You'll be able to recognize it. You'll be able to move forward with it. And so when Jesus shows up, it begins to connect the dots for people. You see, there's an intertestamental period of about 400 years, meaning from the time the prophets uh, were written and got into circulation all that. There's about 400 years until Jesus shows up, right? That's like four or five generations between the time that we have the Old Testament and then you like in your Bible it's like one page and then you're into the New Testament. That one page represents about 400 years. And so that's like nearly five generations of people waiting for this Messiah, waiting for what the prophets had talked about. And so when Jesus shows up, that's why it's such a big deal to these people. They've been looking, they've been waiting, and when he begins to fulfill the prophecies, when he begins to do the things that the prophets were talking about, they're like, whoa, dude, this could be the one. This is legit, the one that they were talking about, all those hundreds that we've been reading and we've been studying and we've been learning about. This is the guy. This is it. This is incredible. And we'll see as we go into this New Through 30 series that we're starting next Monday, when you're reading through the Gospels, it says, and Jesus did this, and it talks about what he did, and it says, to fulfill the prophet, to, to fulfill what the prophets had said. And then Jesus did this, which made the prophecy that this person made come true. And so we see that they're beginning to connect the dots. They're beginning to sort of put it together. But now here's the deal. Here in Metro Detroit in 2019, the prophets are probably one of the least popular sections of the Bible that's read, right? I mean, not a lot of people wake up and they're like, I really want to see what Habakkuk has to say to me today. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Like, that's not typically the way that we approach God's word. But that's because the, 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 the prophets, the major and minor, they talk about justice and righteousness. And they're written to the people of Israel. And so they talk about the wrath of God for disobeying and, and the power of God in battles and all of this stuff. And so it seems like it could be a little bit disconnected from us. If you go back and you start reading this stuff, and you're like, Sam, I don't, uh, I don't get it. Here's the deal. It's important for us to remember this. Anytime we're reading scripture, whether it be the prophets or the gospels or New Testament or Old Testament or whatever it is, it's very, very important for us to realize that the Bible was not written to us. Okay? The Bible was not written to us. The Bible was written for us. So in a lot of these books, he's talking to the Israelites. There's a specific 
people group in mind. And he's talking to them. These prophets are prophesying for their people and in their time. But the message that permeates through all of it is for us. It's important for us to understand the process in which humanity went through to know God. It's important for us to understand the process that humanity had to travel in order to see Jesus, in order to be affected by Jesus, in order to follow Jesus. The prophets were a way of God shifting our hearts, shifting our understanding, shifting our perspective in preparation for what he had next for us. Does that make sense? And so the prophets are very, very important in the story of God. If you read them, you're going to be like, ah, I don't get it. But if you step back and say, okay, this is not to me, but it's for me. What can I gain from this? What can I gather from understanding this? It's that, yo, God is revealing himself to humanity. And this was a very important thing. He was telling them what was going to happen before it happened. He was prepping them for a, tra for, for a trajectory-shifting change before it actually got there. And so that, for me, as I was studying this this week, I thought, okay, well, that begs the question then, in what ways is God still doing this? In what ways is God still doing this in your heart or in your head or in your life? In what ways is God forecasting where he wants to take you? In what ways is God speaking to you now about something that's about to come, right? In what ways is God forecasting who he wants you to be? Not necessarily what, what you have to do, but who he wants you to be. In what ways is God tugging, pushing, pulling, prodding here and there? to get you to soften up, to get you to be available to move to the next thing, to be who he wants you to be or to go where he wants you to go or to do what he wants you to do. And here's the deal. Oftentimes in church we feel like, you know, um, oh, God's speaking, therefore I have to make a major change in my life. If I'm not out on the mission field, if I'm not out as an evangelist, if I'm not on a stage with a microphone, if I'm not doing this, that, and the other, then I'm not being used by God. God. Guys, I love, I want to reference again a, a, a sermon that Rich preached a few months back called Mikasa. Talking about planting roots and being Jesus where you are and the job that you're in, at the grocery store you shop at, at the bank you bank with, all those things. Be Jesus where you are. It doesn't mean you have to go off and do something crazy. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. This might just mean that God wants to shift your theology. This might just mean that he's forecasting a change in your understanding of who he is. Because if God is revealing himself piece by piece to the people of Israel, and God is revealing himself piece by piece to them, what makes you think that he's not doing that with you? That he's not revealing himself to you piece by piece by piece in your faith journey? Because here's the deal. Here, this is huge. The closer you get to God, the bigger he gets. And the bigger he gets, the more you realize you have no idea. The most immature place you can be in your faith journey is certainty. The most immature place you can be in your faith journey is thinking that you got it figured out. Thinking that you know how God is, and you know who God is, and you know what God thinks about this, and you know what God thinks about that. Because the closer you get to God, the bigger he gets, and the more you realize, oh, he doesn't fit into that box that I thought he fit into. Oh, he doesn't you know, fit into the context in which I've constructed for him to fit into. And it's like, whoa. 
this is crazy. The closer you get, the bigger, the more you learn, the more you see that, man, I had no idea. And I still have no idea. And I'm like a pastor who like went to school for this and I'm getting, I'm in my master's program for this and I'm not just like some crazy person, whatever. Like I've dedicated my life to this and the further I get into this, I'm like, whoa, dude, the less I actually know about God because he's huge and he's cosmic and he doesn't fit into our little finite boxes that we like to put him into. And so maybe the forecasting for you is just maybe loosening up a little bit. Maybe it's a tug to say, hey, maybe you need to shift the way you think about that. Maybe you need to shift your understanding of God because God is still consistently revealing himself to you. If you don't think that and you think you got it all figured out, you're, 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 way, you're, you're way back there if you think you got it all figured out because you can't figure God out. He's too massive. He's too huge. And so maybe the tugging is not, oh, I need to quit my family and go be a monk and join the mission field. Maybe it's just, yo, I might need to reconsider some things that I think about God. And as you do that, it might just mean that you shift your worldview as well. Because if our understanding of God, right, dictates the way that we react and respond to the world, and if the way we view God is consistently shifting and growing and changing, then the way that we view the world should be consistently growing and shifting and changing. It should be in response to our view of God. And so when God reveals himself to us in a special way, and, and we have this revelation of who God is, it should shift the way that we interact and react in this world, right? And so that should be consistently shifting, and that should be consistently changing and growing. It might just mean that God wants you to shift your perspective. In light of who God is, who are you? In light of who God is, who am I? Who has he called me to be in light of who he is? Because in light of who he is, should be consistently growing, consistently changing, consistently shifting. And so we need to consistently come back to the question, who am I in response to that? Who has he called me to be in response to that? What has he called me to do in response to that? Does that make sense? That's why these prophets are so powerful and so important. And so as the band comes up, I want to I encourage you guys. Listen, no matter what it is, when you yield to the leadership of God in any area of your life, if it's yielding to the leadership of God in your theology, lead, yielding to the leadership of God in your perspective, in your worldview, if it is something crazy and, and dramatic and you need to yield and shift your career or whatever the case may be, anytime you yield leadership to God, it's going to be absolutely life-changing. Something as small as your theology, it's going to be life changing and impacts and permeates every area of your life. And so this morning what I want to do, I've, as the band comes up, I want to take advantage of these next few moments. We've been intentional about creating a little space and a little environment for you to do business with God. And so in these next few minutes, some of you, you may just ask a question and then listen and shut up long enough to hear the voice of God. So often we come to God, God, I need this, God, I need that, God, I need this, God, I need that, blah, 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 blah. And he's just like, yo, chill, chill. And for the next couple minutes, maybe you're going to sit here and you're just going to listen and take it in and say, God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? Who are you calling me to be? And then just listen and wait and receive. And it might not happen in the time of this song, three and a half minutes, whatever, but maybe that needs to be your heart posture leaving this place. What are you trying to tell me? Who are you trying to make me? Where are you trying to tell me to go? What are you trying to do in my heart and in my life? And how can I respond to that? And taking up that posture. Maybe in these next few moments, 
it starts a conversation that you're having with God that, you know, you felt the tugging inside of you. You felt the urges. You felt the nudges to do this or to do that or to let go of this or let go of that. And you've been fighting against it. And maybe this is the time where you just say, okay, God, I'm yielding to you. I'm going to follow your lead. I've felt this for a while. I've been fighting it. I'm not going to fight it anymore. Let's do this. Maybe this time for you is to yield control. Maybe you think you have to have certainty in your theology and certainty in your understanding of God because you have to be in control. And if you don't know, then you're no longer in control. Maybe this morning is about just yielding control, letting go. Maybe this morning is about forgiveness. You know? Maybe you are, are harboring this, this hurt and this bitterness and this grief and this anger inside of you. And it's paralyzed you to where you can't hear the voice of God. You can't follow the call of God because you're just so upset. So maybe these next few moments is just saying, God, I need forgiveness. I need to forgive this. Or maybe you're busting out your phone and sending a text. Yo, God's doing a work in me. You don't even know you upset me. You don't even know you, but I forgive you. I'm letting go of this because it can't, it can't control me anymore moving forward. Maybe this morning is about repentance. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to repent, to stop doing the things that you're doing that you know are holding you back from a relationship with God holding you back from being who God has called you to be. Maybe it's about letting go of some of the junk in your life. But wherever you are in your faith journey, wherever you are in this conversation with God, we want to be intentional about giving you time to do that before we leave this morning. So the band's going to lead us in another song, and then after that, we're actually going to have a celebration together. Uh, we are baptizing today, so we have some people getting baptized, which is one of my favorite things we do here at Central. And uh, so we'll be back right after this song to do that. But I want to give you guys an opportunity to do business with God. So let's, let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.